Well, uh, my Father's Day message to you today is Happy Father's Day. If you want a Father's Day message, go to Covenant Peace uh, International, Eaton, Ohio. Pastor had a very direct uh, message for fathers, a very pertinent message. I high, highly uh, um, encourage you to get it. Uh, Pastor Kenny Gatlin wrote a book that he sent to me as a gift. Uh, it's called The Spirit of Eli. If you're familiar with Eli in the, the Bible, uh, Eli had a family. Eli was in ministry. And Eli had a church, you know, Israel. And, uh, and he, he breaks it down into three sections on how the, his, the spirit that he operated in destroyed all three areas. The very first one he deals with is family. And uh, after I've, I've completed, or I think I got one more chapter in the first section, a powerful book. I, I ordered five of them. And uh, uh, just based on the family. And, and I, uh, I'm going to bring them in here once I receive them. I don't know. I'll get them in the next week or two or whatever. But uh, you can uh, be thinking about it, uh, especially if you have small children, grandchildren that you're trying to raise. It's powerful. I'd highly recommend it. In fact, I only ordered five. First come, first serve. If you want to tell me you want it, uh, just let me know and I'll, I'll reserve one for you. Now, it's, uh, I, you might ask, well, how much is it? I have no idea. I just ordered them. And uh, so what we're, we're not going to make money off it. We'll just take whatever it costs us, divide it by five, and that'll be the price that we charge. We might round it up to the, the, you know, if it's 23 cents or something like that, uh, we might turn it to 50 cents. But we're just going to uh, round it off to the, to the nearest thing. So, but it's also good. Now, my, my element is if you've got small children or small grandchildren, especially if you are in... Uh, uh, an active component of raising the grandchildren, I would read this, at least this first section. If you're a Christian, I would read the other sections too. If you're in leadership or you feel that God's called you into ministry, I'd definitely read uh, the other one. So anyway, um, Wednesday night, I talked about the power available. I, I've, I've dealt on the, 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 um, the message I, I preached on Wednesday night, came out of the experience with Daryl. Uh, uh, my Friday live stream, I talked about my doctrine. When I say my, I mean David. How I approach the Word of God, why I believe what I believe, and how I look at the Word. I would encourage you to, to go through and watch that if you haven't, because one, it'll give you insight of me, of how I approach things. And then uh, and why I preach the way that I preach. But it should also challenge you on your doctrine, because every single one of us has a doctrine. And a lot of people's doctrines is more religious than spiritual, even though they think they are spiritual. Uh, you, you need to be honest with yourself about why you believe what you believe. And you can't take just one verse and, uh, and establish a correct doctrine. In the presence of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And so I'm um, Wednesday, Wednesday night, I made a comparison. Maybe it's just for me, but I do a lot of study. You know, I do uh, a lot in finance and different things like that I have for years. Um, and I broke it down on the vision of people in different classes, lower class, middle class, and upper class. Uh, most people think that the economics that they're living in is based on money and how it's flowing to them, but it's not. It's based on how you view money. See, see, we have a, many people have a, I don't have enough mentality. 
Do you know if you just if you just took like a half mile, made a put a pin here in the church and went a half mile circle? Do you know how much value in money there is just within us? I mean, we're talking multiple millions. All the houses, all the the uh, the guy across the street selling liquor, he's making bank. How, how come if you have a struggle financially, how come is all that wealth that's around you just put a pin on your house and draw a circle around it? Uh, how come it's not flowing to you? It's flowing to somebody else. So these elements deal with how we look at and our, our doctrine of life, our worldview on how things operate. We have to change it naturally if we're wanting to get to a higher level. The same thing is true spiritually. You can't have a 24-hour mentality that every decision you make is based on your current emotion right now. Because you'll never get anywhere, just like you can't live financially in your 24-hour feelings. There, there's a life ahead of you. You've got a plan. You've got to see. Without a vision, the people perish. And so I went through this and talked about this and uh, showed how we can have a zeal for God but lack knowledge on how it works. We also established how we are joint heirs with Jesus and then the prior Sunday, I talked about moving into the supernatural and how men's heart will fail them because of what they're looking at. There's a realm that we have to bring ourselves to. And what has been stirring on my heart is the blindness and the deafness of many Christians. If you can't hear what the word is saying, don't don't shake this off. A good percentage of people can't even hear the conversation they're talking with somebody else because they're listening through their emotions. I'm going to stand behind this just in case objectiles start flying. Come on, have you talked to somebody? Have you said something? And they turned around and responded to what you said? It's like, that's not what I said. We, we have a hard time naturally hearing what is being said naturally and we think we're going to move over to a God that whose ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we're going to hear and understand what he's saying. Amen. People don't see. I've been talking about it now for years, uh, at least two to three years, talking about the inflation that we're in. But longer than that of, of being prepared. But most people that I talk to aren't prepared. In fact, the statistic that came out, you know, on preparation on financial matters, uh, 70, 80%, whatever it is, can't come up with $500 in, in the case of emergency without, um, without borrowing money. They're not prepared. If we can't see and if we can't hear, how are we going to walk in? Now, right now, things are kind of looking like for the better. We got out of all this pandemic stuff. Uh, everybody got, they got to do something. So now it's kind of getting back to normal-ish, if you will. But, you know, you can go places, you can do things. Nobody's hounding you. Uh, stock market's starting to go back up a little bit. People are getting excited about that. Uh, but they don't understand the economics behind it and, and where, it's, where we're, we're heading up to. There's, there's going to be a big drop uh, that comes in in the futures and, and people are not going to be able to stomach, you know, the huge drops in their 401ks, their, their IRAs and things like that because they haven't prepared. Why haven't they prepared? Because they don't see and they don't hear. And so today I want to do this. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, if you will. Yes. And I'm going to I'm going to show you some things in Math, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, we're going to go to verse 21, but don't go there yet. Uh, that's where I want to read. But I want to give you the backstory to what is happening. In Matthew uh, uh, 
verse 16, 13, Jesus came, I'm going to summarize uh, verses uh, 13 through 19. Jesus came to his disciples and asked them, who do people say that I am? They gave the answer. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, thou art the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And, uh, and uh, Jesus, you know, uh, acknowledges that and says, uh, Peter, he says, you didn't come up with that on your own. He saw something. He saw something. You did not come up with this. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't understand this on the natural realm. But my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it unto you. He, he saw who Jesus was. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said that upon this rock I shall build my church. Upon what rock? Many people, uh, it's been taught in many places that the rock was Peter. But Peter was just uh, a person with a revelation. On the rock of understanding who Jesus is, is what Jesus is going to build his, his church upon. Now, if we can't see him in who he is, how are we going to function in this church? And when I say this church, I don't mean Covenant Peace International West Coast. I mean, you know, the body of Christ. And so then, then he expounds, after this, he expounds, he, he goes on to say what, in verse uh, um, 19, because of this revelation I'll give unto you the, kings, the, the, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He says, you be, because you're understanding, you have the power to release the power of everything in heaven. And you also have the power to bind it. Christians are binding it all the time because they cannot see what the word of God is saying. But if we can understand this, and so then he starts expounding on them about his, his suffering, the passion of the Christ, uh, and what he's going to go through. And we're, we're still in the same conversation in verse 21. Okay, uh, he charged in verse uh, 20, he charges disciples that they should tell no man that he was Christ. Don't reveal this to anybody. You've been it's been revealed to you of, my, of our father in heaven. But don't go around telling everybody because there's things that I'm going to establish. There's things that I'm going to do. And look at verse 21. He says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests, the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Now. If you're walking with Jesus, now we use the term walking with Jesus, but we're talking spiritually. If you're physically walking with Jesus during the time that this is, has been written, and he's raising the dead, he's open blinded eyes, he's, he's uh, turning food to, to uh, you know, a couple fish and some bread, turns over and feeds thousands, and, and you're watching him do all these things, walk on the water, and I know some of them haven't been done at this point, but you're seeing the power of Jesus, and he tells you something? Wouldn't it just kind of logically make sense? I ought to pay attention. Now, the man with the revelation pipes up. The man who understood the things of the Spirit, of who he was, pipes up in verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Now, now, how carnal are you to rebuke Jesus? Do you know we do that kind of stuff all the time? So I never rebuke Jesus. Yeah, you do. You say his word doesn't matter. 
98% of people confessing to be Christians don't tithe. They're rebuking Jesus. Your word doesn't matter. It should be done this way. Vast number of the body of Christ stay home. They don't assemble themselves together as a matter of some is. They're rebuking Jesus. It's easy to pick on Peter. That idiot. But we don't see where we do the same thing. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be afar from thee, Lord, it shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto thee. So, so the, the man with the revelation, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. And you are given the keys to the kingdom. Uh, you know all the jokes about, you know, somebody dies, went to heaven, and Peter's there at the gate. You know where that comes from? From a misinterpretation of that. He's given him the key, the access point, how this spiritual things works. Not, not, not that he's going to let people in or, or let people out of heaven, uh, but that's where all the jokes come from. Uh, he says, you've tapped into an understanding of how this thing works, and then a verse later, he rebukes Jesus for not knowing what he's talking about. Amen. Peter, it's quiet in here. <laughs> now, I want to say something here. You can't rely on what you presently know. Once we do that, we've shifted back to the natural. That's my story with Daryl. I prayed for him. I believe God. And then I step back into it. I don't, I'm not sure what to do right now. See, if, if in the word of God we move from faith to faith, if in the word of God we move from glory to glory, then we can't make decisions at the present based on what we currently know because that's using old information. Okay, let me give you another one. See if this one floats your boat. Go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 18. Oh, I told them 21, but I'm going to back up here. I forgot to change that on my notes. So we're going to actually start uh, at, at verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But, the scripture, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heels against me. Now this is at the Last Supper. I want you to uh, kind of visualize yourself. There's a group of people sitting around with Jesus. Jesus is talking and breaking bread and doing different things like that. And he says, he that eats bread. I, I'm not talking to all of you. Because I know who I've, I've chosen. And he that eats bread with me has lifted his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes. It hasn't happened yet. That when it comes to pass, you may believe that I, I am he. So I'm, I'm telling you what's getting ready to, to happen so that you know who I am, but it hasn't happened yet. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that I send. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, now watch this, Jesus saying, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. I don't think I'm going to betray him. What's he talking about? 
Now again, now, now they're at the point. Did Peter learn from Matthew chapter 16 to not rebuke Jesus, but to believe? We're going to see that in a minute if, he, if he's learned. To just believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about. See, can I, what am I talking about? Can I hear and can I see what the Spirit is talking? Now, now these disciples have been walking with Jesus over three years. They've been, they've been seeing the miracles. They've been listening to his teaching. He's been saying things. Uh, he, Peter even went through the one that we read in Matthew chapter 16 where he got rebuked because he opened his mouth and started talking, talking stupid out of his head because he couldn't see it. Verse 22. Then the disciples looked on another, doubting. Or disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. I don't think it's Peter. He's, he seems like he's all in. and I don't think it's Tammy. She seems like she's all in. Yeah. I don't think it's Tiffany or Marissa. They seem like they're... I, I, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. Like he, he must be given some kind of metaphor, parable or something like that because um, uh, it don't make sense because I'm looking around the table and I can't see. See, if you're making decisions based on what you can see, you're missing the things of God. Now there was one, there was, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples. This really gets me. Whom Jesus loved. Now that's John. So, you know, it's kind of like Peter's Jesus, and I'm sitting here and I got my head on Peter's chest, and Juan's, or not on Peter, yeah, on Peter's chest, but Peter being Jesus. Me being John, I got my head on his chest, and, and Juan's going to be Peter. Okay? I want you to vis- visualize this for a minute. So, there was one leaning uh, Jesus on his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, that's Juan in my, my scenario here, therefore beckoned to him, John, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. So, so Juan's going to whisper in my ear, so Jesus, even as a man, can't hear. Now, if it was Tiffany and Marissa in this scenario, they're so fast on texting. <laughs> but they didn't have text there. Now, Tiffany say, ask them who it is. Marissa would go. But they didn't have that. It, it just baffled me. Jesus sitting there. John's got his head on him. And, and Peter's saying, Okay, so John being the spiritual man that he is, in verse 25, then he lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, now watch this, verse 26. He it is to whom I shall give sop when I have dipped it. And when he did dip the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. Now Peter's Judas. Or now Peter is Judas and I'm Jesus. Now, are you confused who I'm giving this to? It's pretty obvious, right? Okay. After the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, unto Judas, Peter in this example, what thou doest, doest quickly. Is, it, is there any confusion to whom I'm talking to? Well, apparently there was. Uh, now, he said, 
What verse did I just stop on? Okay, 28. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke to this. Now he just gave him sop. Then he told them what what you're going to do, go do quickly. Judas gets up and runs out and they got no clue what he's doing. Now, if we were sitting at a table and, uh, uh, you know, we're sitting around for dinner and I looked over at Marissa and I said, "Uh, Marissa, would you run out to my my truck? I left uh, my Bible out there and bring it in. She gets up and runs out to the truck. Would you sit there in bewilderment of what she was doing? Would you ask Marissa, where are you going? No, because you know she's going out to the truck to get my Bible. But they couldn't see it. For some of them thought. Now they're going to move into their own thought realm. Now they're watching all this going down. But some of them thought because Judas had the bag, he was the treasure, he had the money, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should have given something to the poor. You think we can't see or that we're going to naturally see the things that Jesus is setting up for us to walk in victory and walking in power when we're so stuck in our own thinking that we can't even understand natural conversations half the time. Now, we're getting ready. We're actually walking in it. I mean, darkness is increasing. Things are happening. If we don't understand what the Bible is talking about and we don't know how to deal with them, and we're secure in our natural thinking of the Bible, we're going to mess up. Let me read it again, what I wrote. You can't rely on what you presently know. Now, let me tie that back to my story. They knew that Jesus constantly sent Judas out to to buy things in preparation of things that they were doing and feeding the poor. That's what they knew. Well, surely... He's not going out to, to uh, betray him. He's got to be going out to buy something for the poor, for the feast. We can get so bogged down in our natural thinking, thinking that we're, we're at that. So once we do that, once we, once we operate in what we presently know, we've shifted back to the natural. If we're operating in our current knowledge and current revelation, this is what Peter, Peter had a revelation. But now they moved on to the next thing that Jesus said, here's what's coming. He could, that revelation didn't carry over to this revelation. You've got to be willing to, to submit yourself to listen to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. It's not easy. But it's going to be vital in walking in these last days. It's going to be vital in keeping your family safe. Not being destroyed. It's going to be vital to keep your, your family out of hell. It's going to be vital just to, just to survive the pressures and the different things that are going on, that will go on. And so we have, to, we have to not miss what Jesus is saying right now. Now faith. Now faith. It's, it's very obvious to anybody that is actually spiritual and not religious. You can tell some people are, are, are talking out of yesterday's faith and yesterday's knowledge. They don't presently study their Bible. They don't presently really seek God. They're relying off what they knew that worked. You can't be like that. We have to walk with Jesus. Now go to Ephesians chapter 1. 
I read this. Uh, I read the, I'm, I'm getting ready to go someplace if I got time. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. 119. Amen. I, I talk about this all the time, so I'm going to go quickly. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? You and I have the power. We have access to the power. According to the working of his mighty power, the power that we have access is his power, not our power. You can supersede your power, your knowledge, your skill set. We all have that. It will all take us a certain distance, but we can bypass all that and get into the power of God, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. So you and I have access, go back to my Wednesday night about being joint heirs with Christ. Uh, we have access to the power that will get us over everything that life will throw at us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And hath put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Chapter 2, verse 6, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to remember this from the things that, that, that I'm saying. This is a foundation of really where I'm going of today's message. We're just now at the foundation of the message today. Can you say hallelujah? Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God who at sundry time, now I've got a ton of verses here, and we're not going to have time to go through them, so I'm going to be referencing other verses that we won't turn to. Okay, so God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Old Testament reference, um, because in Acts chapter 1 verse 2, in the New Testament, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, Number two, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, uh, we could preach for a long time just on verse two. I'm not going to. But it ties into the mystery that I talked about that, that is, um, I, I backed off on that because of the questions I was getting, people weren't understanding what I was talking about. We've got to get our, ourselves to the place where we can understand spiritual things. It talks about who Christ is, our joint heirness with him, and takes us all the way back to uh, creation. And all of this has worked from the very beginning of what God has established and who we are in him. Uh, a lot of times we just, uh, you know, like I said, we, we put things in buckets and we think that we only have one bucket. I'm a Christian, now I have everything. No, no, there's, there's different areas of your life that you're probably not walking in. Uh, not my point today. Verse 3. <clears throat> who being the brightness of his glory. Now, Wednesday, Ephesians 1.12, we talked about that we should be to the praise of his glory. We should see these things manifesting through our life. And the express image of his person. So if we're the express image of his person, there, there should be no difference between us and Jesus. He's the, the head, we're the body. Now, not that our hair is going to be fixed the same or that the, the structure of our face is going to be the same, but in the personage of who we are, victorious, have power and authority over all things, have, have having, having access to the power without, uh, without, without measure, being able to walk in all this, the image of his person and the upholding things by the word of his power. Now, if he upholds all things by the word of his power, Shouldn't you and I be able to uphold things by the, the word of his power? So what keeps us out of that? It has to be us. That I talked about my only problem is David. 
by the word when he had made him but when he had by himself purged our sin sat down at the right hand of majesty on high ephesians chapter 1 and 2 that we just read about and in the purging of our sins the death burial and resurrection of christ we should die to ourselves, bury him through baptism, put the old man down, and live in the newness of the resurrection of who he is. The power of the word of God. I gotta slow down here. Because I feel like I'm going over heads. What God has put together is far deeper than what we're walking in. I think for most Christians, they want to walk in it. But they're trying to get God to do what he's already done. So then we get religious. Well, I heard God say, might even have a verse on it. But it's not in context with the word of God. I remember I was talking to a person one time. They were actually riding in my vehicle with me. And uh, I said, God's given me a word for you. I said, oh, yeah. And they gave me the word. And I said, that's not even scriptural. Well, I know I heard from God. No, it's not even scriptural. You, you can't get a word from God that's not scriptural. Right. And, and, and we lose sight of this because religion, if you will, has become organized. The, if you stop and you think about it, a denomination, they have to have an organizational structure. I mean, otherwise you're not a denomination. You've got to have a, a guideline of what you believe in, a stated purpose in what you're going to do. But you can't construct a purpose that encompasses all of this. In fact, if you go back and read the book, God's Generals, it's about all the, the people, you know, that um, had very strong ministries. Uh, William Branham, um, uh, Maria Woodworth Edder, uh, Catherine Kuhlman, all the different ones. I can't think of any other names right now, but... But many of them, when God called them to move into this arena of healing and, and the ministry that they would walk in, they had to leave their denomination because what God told them to do was in violation of the organizational structure. Okay, you and I, go back and listen to my, my live stream on, um, on my doctrine. You and I have a doctrine that's an organizational structure for our own life. Somebody tells you, you come to a gift, Ephesians chapter 4 gift, which is for the maturing of the same. You come, well, let's just use the Bible and uh, them coming to Peter, uh, Peter going to Jesus and saying, hey, they're, they're asking us if we pay taxes. Remember that story? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, yeah, go fish the first fish you catch uh, in its mouth. You'll find the money for the taxes, pay it for both you and me. Okay, that, that goes tilt on most people's mind. Uh, yeah, drive out to a Rossi. Uh, when you get to that really good Mexican restaurant on the left, La Speranza, uh, look over at the right in the gutter. There'll be the money that you need. See, most people say, I ain't driving to a Rossi. That's too much gas. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to our natural mind. What God has set up, can, can you imagine? I wish I could do that voice of uh, um, that old TV show. Can you imagine a life? Can you imagine a life where everything you need has been provided for you? Yeah, we have it right now, but nobody can imagine that life. 
that whatever you need, it's there for you. I have given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. See, there, there's many times, because, you know, I usually stand at the door at the end of the service, that things I preach on, I hear people talking contradictory to the word that I just preached. I mean, it doesn't even last five minutes. Because the reality of what I'm going through right now is dominant in my thinking. How many remembers where they were on 9-11? How many remembers where they were on 9-9? Do <laughs> you remember where you were two days before? Good job. Most people don't. Why? Because there was nothing emotional that, had, that happened to them. So when you look at what I'm, see what I'm going through right now, what I'm feeling right now, there's an emotional element that becomes so real that gets in our memory banks that we overlook the Word of God. And, and what we've got to understand is what God has given us is so much greater, but I, I've got to be able to hear what he's saying. I've got to shut my mind off for a minute. Quit dwelling on your problem. I, God, what do I need to do at this juncture? Because you said you've already given me everything that pertains to my life, if it's a natural thing, or to godliness, if it's a ministry thing. The answer's already there. As I talked about last Sunday, Samson, the bone was already there. God knew that Samson would be there. He had placed what he would need to get through that to get onto the next place. Can I believe? Can I understand? Or are the things that I'm facing so great that, no, i got to get this taken care of first? Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. Now, Jesus was made so much more excellence because by the inheritance that we are a joint heir of, we are in him, so we also are being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then we have been given the name of Jesus. We've got to understand, we've got an unfair advantage over this world. You have an unfair advantage over inflation, you have an unfair advantage over the things they're trying to do in California to destroy the state. You have an unfair advantage over sickness and disease and, and different things that are going on in this world. But if we don't understand our advantage and the promise given to us, the name that's given to us, and we're focused on the issue, how are we ever going to walk in what God has established for us. Verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. That's a rhetorical question. Do you know when he said that? He never said that. That's right. He never said to the angels, You are my son. Did he say to you that you are his son? Slash daughter. This day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be my son. He didn't say that to the angels. He said that to you and me. What father, a good father, wants their kids to struggle in life? 
Now there's many problems, many parents that have control issues and they just control their kids and try to get their way and stuff like that. But I'm talking about a good father. A good father wants their, their children to have a better life than they had. They want to help them get there. Now, God wants us to walk in everything he's provided. He's not trying to keep it away from us. He's trying to get it into us and get us into it. But we have to deal with our way of thinking and our emotions and different things like that. Now, go to, uh, if you will, Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, I'm not going to dwell on the therefore, usually I do. But the therefore is referring to what he just talked about and angels. Now, in Psalms 8 and 4, he says that uh, the King James says that he's made us a little lower than angels. But if you look up the Hebrew word, it's Elohim. It's God himself. We just read where God made Jesus, the head of the body, uh, much better than the angels. So that goes in together, even though the English translation makes it look like we're lower than angels. But you're not lower than that which serves you. Are not they all ministering spirits sent forth uh, to serve the heirs of salvation? We are the heirs of salvation. So that's what the therefore is there for. Back in chapter one, I'm not reading it. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We, we need to pay attention, closer attention to the things that we have heard. Why? Um, lest at any time we should let them slip. See, going back to my story with Daryl, I prayed, I believed in my prayer, but then I let the thing slip because I'm figuring out what do I do now? You and I, human mankind, are prone to allow things to slip. Yes. It's kind of our natural way of doing things. We are, oh yeah, I forgot I was supposed to be doing that. We let things slip. But we need to pay more attention to the things that God said so that we don't let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels. Now, this is going to tie into um, the other things that we we talked about, but I'm not going to spend time on. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression uh, and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? Now, and the how shall we escape, if we were to go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, God says he will always make, make a way of escape. This is what your salvation does. It delivers you. There's no promise in the Bible that you're not going to come up, that, that you'll just have a stress-free life and, and things aren't going to try to overtake you. Everything, there's an escape to it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, many people think this verse applies to them if they're born again. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It means you have access to it. There's many Christians who are born again, but they're not saved. And they live their lives as though they're not saved because when a problem comes, they submit themselves to the problem instead of standing in authority over the problem, which provides the way of escape. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So again, we come back to the hearing. Now jump to verse five. For unto the angels has he not, for unto the angels hath he not put into subjection, watch this, the world to come, 
that we speak of. Now, in the, if you, I, I, I spent a lot of time on this in Revelation 4, Revelation 7, the difference between those who come out of the, the, the tribulation and those that are part of the rapture of the church and how the, the Revelation 4 saints, they reign. After Armageddon, Jesus comes back, puts his feet on the earth. The saints are with him, not everybody born again. The saints are with him because they're in a reigning position. You then have the millennial reign of Christ, which is a thousand years. One's serving, one's reigning. He's talking about this right now. He didn't say that to the angels. He gave that to you and I. But one, verse 6, but one in a certain place, which is Psalms 8, 4, which I quoted a minute ago, testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, actually made him a little lower than God himself. Thou crowned him with glory and honor, where his body, and didst set him over the works of thy hand. We have the responsibility, the uh, dominion, and the authority over everything that God has established. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under. That goes directly back to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 20 and, and 2, 6 that I read that Jesus was seated above every name, this name, and then seated us in him. But now we see not, yet all things are put under him. Now, this goes into uh, Luke 19, 13, that he told us to occupy until he comes. We've been seated in a place of authority. Last verse, go to Roman, or Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear. Now, this word fear is a fear of being afraid. You should be afraid of this. This is something that, that is a positive force in your life to fear uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You and I should not come short of anything, especially his rest. Now, his rest is not like we say rest. Well, I'm going to go take a nap and rest. His rest is not being anxious, not being concerned. Living life in dominion and authority, knowing that you have control over everything, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be anxious about. That's why in another verse he says, that was it Philippians, that he says, be anxious for nothing. See, why do people get anxious? Why do people get stirred in their spirit? Why do people get trouble? Because they have not found his rest. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, um, why did it not profit? Obviously because they didn't mix faith with it, but they couldn't believe beyond what they saw. What they saw kept them out of what God had said. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, I have sworn in my anger if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. This was all done before the foundation of the earth. For you and I to walk in. 
For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise that God did rest and the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Now let's all stand. Now, if you didn't understand what I've just preached. I, I, I know I, I went fast. I had a lot of verses. Went a little bit long, too. But we have ice cream. Ice cream makes everything okay. Um, if I went over your head, then take the heart you need to see in here. We've got to get to a place of seeing. We've got to get to a place of joint heirs. That we are together with him. We have to get into a place of all sufficiency in all things, that everything, they, that we may abound to every good work. The things that are going on today, if you want to beat darkness, beat the economic darkness. That's going to show a lot. Not being concerned of the price of gas, not being concerned about the price of this or the price of that. Rise above it. Don't submit to it. You have to see what God has done and what God has given to us, a place of dominion and authority. I preached a message at one time. Are you born again or are you saved? We've got to get into the salvation. And don't be comfortable with what you know right now, especially if you're operating on something that worked 20 years ago. Now you say, well, well it was the word of God back then. It's the word of God right now. Yeah, but you've, you've lost your ground. You don't have the same faith as you did right then. You've got to come into this place. And I want, to, I want to close this in a certain way. And I know we got ice cream. <laughs> but I don't want to diminish this. Right. We've got to get beyond the place of just getting born again. Lord, I receive you. I recognize that you, you're the son of the living God. You died and resurrected for me, remitted my sins, and I want, I want that. We've we got to get to the places, do I want what God has established for me? The born again experience will, take, will, will happen if you want into God. It costs something. And when I use the word cost, I don't, I don't necessarily mean money, although it'll cost you money because God wants to expand his, his kingdom. The words of God are free. Uh, the gift of God is free, but getting it to people costs money. But, but, but it's beyond that. It's beyond my time that it costs. It's beyond the money it's going to cost. It's do I want to walk in the redemption? God's redeemed our time. God will, will multiply our money. Those are not issues. Am I willing to, to get all in? Because on the rapture of the church and on the completing of the gospel that Jesus wants done before he comes back, it's going to take people that want to be all in. Bow your heads right now and don't look around, please. I'm going to pray. It's going to be like the prayer of, of salvation. But, but really we're going beyond or the prayer of the getting born again. It's going to be the prayer of salvation. That God, I want all into this. I want you with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand. I, I, if you're wanting to walk in more, just raise your hand. I know there's more. i got to walk in it. i got to see it. Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are being raised. And Lord, we, we, we stand before you right now. Oh, Lord, for most of us, we believe in you, but it has not manifested in our living because there's too many things that's cluttering us. God, we want to move in more. You saw the hands of people saying, I know there's more to this. And, and I would acknowledge that in every area of more of God, there's, there's a battle with our flesh. Paul talked about it. 
that, that there's this war going on inside of us. God, we're not exempt from this. We need your help. We've got to be able to see it. We've got to be able to hear what you're saying. We've got to know the next move on how we get closer to you and how we break this pattern inside of us that's keeping us from walking in the, the fullness of your spirit without measure. God, and we humbly, we stand here today. And you in your own way, pray with me the same thing. The, the, we humbly stand here before you today, God, and we ask you, help us. Help us. You said your mercy endures forever. We don't qualify. We, we're goofed up. But your mercy will pave the way. And God, we ask you, Lord, that you would show us, God, that the words that have been spoken here today and, and we'll see in your word, God, where you're trying to get us to a new level. God, let us have the faith. Help us to, to activate our faith, to walk in it and to change the things that are trying to hold us back. Lord, we just give this to you today. We give our lives to you. Lord, take us and use us. God, and let us see. Let us know. Let us understand. Help break our own doctrines that we've created. God, and walk with you to look to see what works, to where your peace is found, to where your rest is found, that we're not troubled about anything. Let not your heart be troubled. We're not going to live with a troubled heart. Lord, because your peace, your spirit's been given to us. We're going to walk confidently and boldly in these things, Lord Jesus. Give us things, Lord, like this, this pigeon thing that I talked about, Lord. With the, the, let, us start, let us start taking areas of dominion and seeing it work. It doesn't have to be a big thing. We just got to start seeing it work. And God, I, I pray that you would help us get there, Lord, and overcome the things that are holding us back. And Lord Jesus, as we dismiss here today, God, we, we, we just declare that your spirit does not leave us. The enemy does not have the power to come and steal this word. We bind him from that. And even th we know the word says that that's what he tries to do, but he has no authority over it. So we take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we call this, this ice cream blessed that we're about to eat. If you can bless ice cream, I know it's good. But, uh, but let it not be harmful to our bodies, Lord Jesus. And let us enjoy the fellowship that surrounds it, God, with this day. We ask that you bless all the fathers, Lord, that, they, that they, your, their eyes be opened, the responsibility and the anointing that comes with this position. And we thank you, God, for it in the name of Jesus.